Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you for the very last episode of 2019 from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, last show of the year. How are you feeling? It's the last show of the first decade of the Cloudcast. That's well, right. Wow. Not quite, yeah. but the, the decade we started it in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> doing good. Doing good. So, you know, I, I've been thinking about this because, you know, uh, we're going to kind of get in, into uh, the show. We're going to do the show sort of in, in three little segments. Uh, it'll be a little different than we normally do, but not terribly different. Uh, but I got to imagine, you know, the, the show has grown a decent amount this year. People may be wondering, um, why are you on the show so much lately? Or even, you know, who are you and I? Because we never really introduce ourselves. So maybe we should do that first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so so this is Aaron. Uh, and actually, it was kind of funny. I actually had somebody when I was at AWS reInvent um, say exactly that. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, I, I know the show, but I don't know who's who. And and because uh, like, we didn't necessarily identify voices and it was a new listener. And so, yeah, I completely, completely get that. And that's fair. Um, so this is Aaron. <laughs> yeah, this is Brian. And yeah, exactly. And I should be on the sh- on the show. Like I, I kind of had a I had a pretty busy 2019, to be very honest with you. You know, did did a startup, um, and you know was was a very very busy year. But but quite frankly, um, I'm probably off to the next thing here in the very near future. And so I've I've been kind of taking a step back, got a, a holidays with the family, and and uh, kind of been enjoying things. But it's also allowed us to put some more time into the podcast and, and potentially launch some new things as well, which we'll be talking about here in a second. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, people may wonder, you know, why, you know, hey, you've got two names on the introduction. How come there's only one? Um, long, long time ago, we both used to be on every single show. Um, that was back before we were traveling an enormous amount for jobs and, and we had kids doing different activities and growing up. Uh, we now have reached the point where, you know, one of the one of the hosts is going to be on the show. You can guarantee that at all times, but uh, we can't always guarantee that two will be on. So, um, you know, hopefully that's, a, that's a good. That's a good introduction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good introduction. So, um, second thing, second thing in this sort of first segment, which we're calling podcast business. Um, you know, we mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, the the donations for the Krispy Kreme run are now open. Um, so, if you look in your show notes, um, you know, right in the very top, it will say like donut run donations. There's a big link there. Um, if you go to to the cloudcast.net in the top right corner, you will see a link to make a donation. Um, you know, we set a goal for about $3,500 this year. That's kind of roughly in that $3,500, $4,000 range. Uh, we're at about $1,500 so far, and uh, the race is early part of February. So if you'd like to make a donation, um, you know, we would love it. Uh, any any little amount helps, $10, $5, $25, you know, larger ones are always welcome. Um, but uh, if you do it before the end of the year, it is a, at least in the U.S., a taxable donation. So if you need a, a, a write-off for the year, that's that's always available. So thank you to anybody who makes a donation. Yeah. And for all the new listeners that are that are out there, um, we we did kind of summarize it on the last show. But but to be clear, the, the donation, um, you know, it, it's it doesn't support the podcast. Yeah, no. this is our, our annual thing where we we ask uh, everyone to kind of give back. And, and for us, the this the donations go to the North Carolina Children's Hospital uh, to help um, kids with it in need and families in need uh, w- with health issues. And it's our been our annual thing. It's been going on. What is it? Maybe seven years. Now? Yeah, six, seven years. So uh, yeah, yeah some, somewhere in there, it's it's our annual thing that it's our our way of giving back to the to the community locally here. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent of the money goes to the kids. We we don't see any of it. We're just a conduit to uh, to help represent the community. So um, yeah. 
Last thing, um, and this is sort of a big announcement. We're excited about this. Um, we are going to be launching sort of a new podcast series. Um, the name is still a little bit to be determined, so for now, we're just going to call it Cloudcast Basics. Um, but you know, Aaron, why are we why are we trying to do something new? I mean, we have a really awesome following. The following's growing, but uh, why would we want to create something new, and why would we want to create something basic? Yeah, I, I think you know the easiest way to talk about this is. There's a lot of folks constantly coming into this industry as as evidenced by the growth of the podcast. But but our podcast tends to be has gone from, you know, basics back in the day when we were still learning to something that's pretty deep and and at times is maybe a little bit uh, difficult for somebody new in the community um, just coming in or, or just looking to learn. And so we wanted to kind of almost go back a little bit into let's, you know, what if it's somebody that's brand new? What if it's somebody that is, you know, step one, step two in their journey versus somebody who's been following us for eight, nine years now? And so we wanted to kind of have two, two paths, right? Uh, the emerging tech and somebody who's been around here for a long time, keep this, this avenue going, but then also uh, bringing some new new folks into the community as well and continuing to grow. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what you'll start seeing is um, we're going to we're going to do it a couple of ways. Uh, we will leak a few of the basic shows into the main feed. So you will from time to time see the basic shows um, in the main feed. This is, you know, that, that's mostly to help, you know, if you've got some people that you work with, some people that you know are new to to this uh, this technology space, you know, it's a great way for you to say, hey, you know, you can, this is an easy way for you to listen to it. Um, you know, it'll still have the same Cloudcast brand. Um, so that won't change. The other thing we're going to do that's a little different is, you know, the current shows are a little bit schizophrenic and that we bounce around from topic to topic and, you know, it's good. You get, you get exposure to a lot of things, but you know, they are a little bit all over the place. Um, these basic ones are going to basically be done in series. So you're going to be able to, you know, sort of start, they're going to be more sort of binge mode. Like maybe you see on Netflix, they will be, you know, between, uh, six and 10 episodes, roughly 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Um, and they're going to be about sort of one topic from, from start to finish or one category of area. And they're going to be a little bit of technology, a little bit of sort of the, the business side and the economics of cloud computing. So lots of different ranges. Um, and then, you know, as we go along, we'll sort of give you links to the to the new feed that comes out. But, uh, you know, our, our hope is, you know, either if you want to, you know, double down on sort of making sure you know your basics, your fundamentals, um, they'll be helpful to you. But also we hope that you share them with friends who are trying to, to get into the industry, trying to learn some things, uh, maybe aren't, like Aaron said, up to speed on, on some of the depth we go into with, with regular Cloudcast. And then uh, and then eventually, you know, hopefully they, they migrate over to, to listening to the show uh, as well. So helps us grow the show. Hopefully, it helps the community kind of get up to speed and uh, we're excited to be doing it. So uh, those are going to be launching uh, first part of January. So we're going to be starting that pretty soon. So when you're saying you're, you're schizophrenic, is that a nice way of saying we haven't had our shit together? <clears throat> no, no, no. We just, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> sometimes we, we, you know, sometimes new and exciting topics come up at any given time. That's what that is. So oh, that was, that was a great spin. Well, exactly. Done. Exactly. Well, cool. <laughs> we're going to wrap up podcast business and we are going to jump into the next segment. Today's episode is sponsored by Datadog, the cloud-scale monitoring service that provides comprehensive visibility into public cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud environments with over 250 integrations. Datadog unifies your metrics, logs, and distributed request traces into one platform so you can investigate and troubleshoot issues across every layer of your stack. Use Datadog's rich, customizable dashboards and algorithmic alerts to monitor cloud migrations in real time. To start a free trial today and Datadog sending you a free t-shirt, visit datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. 
and we're back. Aaron, you know, we're kind of back to the, the traditional opening segment of the show. We're going to do cloud news of the week. And, you know, since there's not a whole lot of net new cloud news of the week, sort of tech industry news of the week, we thought we would cover the Cloudcast itself as, as cloud news of the week. We do this every year, kind of state of the podcast, if you will. So you want to jump into sort of where we are, where, what we've grown and, and what the community as a whole is, uh, has been doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we don't talk about the listens, um, you know, too much on the show, but but we we actually probably do. This is the one show of the year where where we 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 tend to kind of reveal a little bit behind the scenes, and then you know, forty percent year over year growth, um, which is you know, I would say pretty on par with all the other years. Um, and and over uh, one point six million. Uh, listens for the year. So huge, huge thank you to the community for continuing to listen and for telling a friend and, and passing word around. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, we, we only exist because, uh, you folks listen because you tell a friend because you rate it on iTunes. Um, you know, it allows people to, to find it as they're, you know, looking for new technology in, in all the different podcast players. So, so big thank you to that. Uh, you know, the next most important part of our show beyond, beyond the community of listeners is our guests and, you know, we've always sort of prided ourselves on being kind of forward-looking in terms of, you know, the types of technologies we talk about, the types of people we talk about. And and one of the interesting byproducts of that is a lot of the companies that come on our show uh, over time, um, you know, maybe start off as a, you know, A round, C round, uh, seed round uh, startup, and, and at some point they get acquired. And so this year, nine new companies who had been guests on the Cloudcast, uh, you know, at some point in time were acquired. Um, let's see, uh, Cloudability, who long, long time uh, friend of the show, uh, Bromium, Docker, Shippable, SignalFX, Pivotal, uh, 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 Nginx, uh, ParkMyCloud, Twistlock, all nine of those companies, um, you know, got uh, got acquired in, in 2019. So um, we had nine last year. We had nine this year. We're up to I think 47 total. You know, so about 11 percent of the. I was going to ask you. Yeah, you didn't have that in the notes. I was going to ask you what the total was. Yeah, so yeah. 47 total, about 11 percent of the, the companies that have been on the show. So you know, it's always uh, we always we always throw that out. Hey, if you're if you're interested in, in good visibility, uh, we've got a pretty good track record of, of picking companies that have been uh, pretty successful. So it's a good place to come to learn about new companies and new technology. And then standard offer, you know, we say it every year, standard offered out to all the VCs out there. We're, we're more than willing to uh, advise. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just a small fee, you know, small finder's fees. And then finally, uh, you know, in, in, in IPOs, um, longtime friend of the show, longtime sponsor of the show, Datadog, uh, went IPO this year. Congratulations to that team. We've, we've known them for a while. Um, back when... Everybody just knew them as the, the cool purple T-shirt company. They're now, you know, really doing very well in the uh, in the monitoring, observability, uh, analytics space. So, congratulations to Datadog. Yeah, and on a complete side note to that, the Datadog, the the, the famous purple T-shirt, that is probably one of the most fought over shirts in the house with with my between my girls and my wife. Yeah, that is for whatever reason they love that shirt. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome <laughs> shirt, and uh, if, if you're curious about it, uh, you know we they they have been advertising for a long time. Uh, you just sign up for an account, and they will send you one of their awesome T-shirts. So uh, you know, definitely something to look at. So we're gonna wrap that up for our cloud news of the week. Um, you know, that is basically a, a giant thank you to the community. Um, you've helped us grow. Um, you've helped us get introduced to new people. And uh, we hope that uh, that continues in 20, 2020. So uh, let's jump into the last segment of the show, which is going to be our trends from the year and our predictions for 2020. Today's show is sponsored by MongoDB. As a programmer, you think in objects. With MongoDB, so does your database. MongoDB is the most popular document database built for modern application developers and the cloud era. 
Millions of developers use MongoDB today to power the world's most innovative products and services, from cryptocurrency to online gaming, IoT, and much more. Try MongoDB today with Atlas, the global cloud database service that runs on AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. Configure, deploy, and connect to your database in just a few minutes. Check it out today at mongodb.com slash atlas. That's mongodb.com slash atlas. Aaron, it is the final segment of the final show of both 2019, but also the decade. Uh, kind of our, we, you know, the last show we reviewed kind of the decade. This one, we're going to narrow down our review of 2019, and then we're going to make our, our sort of world famous predictions uh, likely to be wrong for 2020. So you ready to, uh, to jump into it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so the first trend we really wanted to talk about, and, and this reminds me of, you know, way back in the day, we had uh, Simon Wardley on the podcast. And Simon used to always talk about, um, you know, this was back when we were like, oh, who are going to be the big clouds? And, you know, there was still kind of the market hadn't quite settled out the way it was. And and I always this is what was the light bulb moment for me was always the, well, who's going to invest the however many billions it takes to build one of these. And I was like, oh, wow, I get, yep, there, there's a good point. Like the barrier to entry is so high. And so we have a link in there um, in the show notes that's super interesting. Um, and it, it kind of shows public cloud CapEx. Um, and and it's also interesting too, to see how everything has skewed over time. For like AWS, for instance, was decently trackable at one point, but now, you know, uh, even AWS, you know, the, on the, the website of the business, or, or, or the public cloud side of the business, it's minuscule compared to the like the warehouses and the operations right. and how just the behemoth they've become. So it's just, it's super interesting to just see how everything is tracked over time. Yeah, it has been. Uh, it, it is always interesting, and it, it is one of those things that um, you know, especially for the the three or four really big cloud providers, uh, you know, Google, Amazon, Azure, and, and probably Alibaba these days. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a blurred thing, right? The the businesses that they have that deliver cloud services, and then the businesses that they have in every other market segment. You know, they're all of those are digital businesses at this point. So, you know, when you look at the capex numbers, they do grow. Uh, they do they do grow considerably. You have to be a, a big player to succeed, but it is getting harder and harder to know what part of that is the things they're investing to deliver sort of, you know, web cloud services as opposed to some other type of thing they do. Um, um, the second, you know, the second big trend, and so so that's a that's a trend we always track. We always like to just put them out there as numbers. Um, the second second thing we were tracking in terms of numbers, and uh, big big shout out to uh, to, to Jordan Navat who uh, works over at CNBC. Uh, we've been following him on Twitter for a long time. He does a uh, awesome job of sort of tracking um, the the kind of AWS numbers. He tracks some of the other ones as well. Um, it's been interesting to watch the last couple of actually probably five or six quarters of, of AWS. So we've obviously seen their growth in terms of revenue continue to go up and to the right. But it's been interesting to watch some of the other actual numbers of it. So their operating margins, their operating um, uh, yeah, operating income, their growth rates, all of those have been much much lower than they've been in the past, at least you know comparing them quarter to quarter and so forth. So it is AWS is an interesting one to watch because there's times when you kind of can't look at the numbers independently. Um, if you look at them independently, you might be saying, well, you know, they're, they're slowing down their growth, even though the revenue numbers are growing. You also have to take a look at it as, you know, are those, you know, things like operating numbers, uh, you know, margins and so forth. Is that because they're, they're reinvesting in, you know, CapEx? Is that because 
business is slowing down? Is that Amazon sort of playing games with where the numbers are so that you don't really know what their business looks like? It is a little tricky to kind of dissect some of it, but it does tend to look like, um, you know, where AWS used to have a massive lead, um, you know, there is, it is a much more competitive market, if, if nothing else, if you take nothing else away from it. Yeah, there, there's that also combined with just the, the you know, the laws of big numbers, as these numbers continue right. to get bigger, the percentages of growth tends to eventually get smaller because it just gets harder and harder to keep doubling or, you know, some of these other other things as well. And so, it, yeah, I, and it's really interesting to me how it's like, okay, I, I remember there was a number in there. It's like, oh, the, you know, the revenues are, are it, was, it was a revenue. Well, anyway, one of the numbers was down to like, oh, they're down to like 25%. And it's like, well, that's still pretty damn impressive, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it, it's just not the runaway um, thing it was at one point. And and you're you know, I, I there's part of me that kind of goes, yep, that's surprising. But then there's part of me that goes, yep, that's completely expected. It just depends on how you look at the numbers, and and especially when it comes to reinvestment. I mean, that's what Amazon is known for. Right. Um, you know, they're known for keeping a lot of those numbers down and continuing to grow the business. Um, so it, you're it's a combination of. Uh, you know, what I would say classic way of tracking companies and tracking growth combined with the way AWS as an industry um, has kind of turned some of those models or some of those expectations on its head. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that comes up in this, and this is not necessarily a 2019 thing, but it's something to sort of keep in mind, right? There's there's all sorts of talk about, um, you know, what, what may happen with future elections and future things that happen, uh, you know, with regulation. Um, lots of people have always said, hey, maybe big tech companies will get broken up. Maybe at some point, you know, because AWS is so profitable, Amazon will want to spin them out. Um, you know, this may just be part of a, a much longer game in terms of going, you know, I, I don't want to convey that AWS is so profitable that, you know, people go, oh, well, you should you should spin that out. Because I think, I think people are going to realize that, you know, so many of the new businesses Amazon is trying to get into are sort of intertwined with their ability to do things with AWS, um, you know, either as like the first customer in some set of services or something else that, you know, I, I don't think if you asked Amazon, if you asked Jeff Bezos or Andy Jassy, I don't think they w- have any intention nor any real desire to spin out AWS. I think it's it's a really strategic asset for the, the broader Amazon company, no matter what sort of public pressure there might be to spin it out for, you know, future shareholders or something like that. Yeah. Talk about a key differentiator, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> well, and, just, and yeah. that kind of kind of relates to the next one, which is, you know, we're talking here in the U.S. There's uh, what's referred to as the Jedi contract. It's a Department of Defense um, uh, contract, and it was worth $10 billion over 10 years. Um, it, but and it was actually awarded to Microsoft and Azure. And that surprised many in the industry. Um, and, and I actually was on, um, another podcast about it. Um, uh, Greg Nearman's podcast, the go your way podcast, talking specifically mm-hmm. about this topic. And so, you know, I, would refer pe- folks over to that one if they want to dig a little deeper into this, but my quick take on it though, was, was, you know, there was a little bit of like, Hey, did politics get involved? And you know what? I'm not touching that rail. Yeah. Um, but there is the, you know, historically not every contract, uh, with the government has gone to AWS. Some of them have, some of them have gone to Microsoft. It all depends on what was the reason for awarding the contract. Um, you know, there was one that was very infrastructure based. 
which was the GovCloud that went to AWS. There was another one that was really more, you know, office and apps and 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 as a service based, and that one went to Microsoft. And and this one was all about digital transformation and digital transformation specifically of a lot of the aging infrastructure in the DoD. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> right. And and that's the one thing I was never able to really dig into publicly. And I, I mean, sure, given enough time, we could have found something. But, it, you know, what was the actual needs of that contract? Because I could see a scenario in which it went to AWS and I could see a scenario in which it went to Azure politics aside. Um and and you know the, so the podcast that, that that I did was was really all about that. But I it was really really interesting to see that it isn't just assumed anymore that all of the cloud contracts go to AWS. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that, I think that plays to uh, you know the number of services that are that are in the different clouds is is starting to get sort of normalized. I think people are you know learning the way that you you have to go after that business, and I think people. Um, you know, are are comfortable with the idea that there isn't a you know one you know kind of only one player in the whole game. Um, so yeah, that's it is it is an interesting thing. It is just one contract, and but you know at the time that the CIA contract years and years ago, the six hundred million dollar CIA contract that went to AWS was just one contract. But um, you know it ends up parlaying itself into a number of other things, right? If somebody else did that, well, maybe we can trust this. And yeah, it's always it's always interesting to watch those trends. And you know, as we as we talked about in the the sort of decade end show last week, um, you know, Google continues to be you know, not in that top two. Um, and in fact, you know, depending on who you talk to, maybe not even in the top three, right? Alibaba oftentimes is now sort of talked about as, as being maybe the third largest. Um, you know, Alibaba to me is is the the real big kind of uh, mystery in the room. I, mean, I, I don't know anybody who's an expert in the Alibaba cloud. I don't know of a good podcast to follow. Like it is a weird thing in that, you know, it's kind of the, you know, the, 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 the Asia Pacific China cloud um, and it, you know, we, we talk about it being bigger, but like, who is an expert at that? Who, you know, what do they do that's yeah. unique? Or is it just the fact that it covers that part of the world, which just has such a massive, you know, population density and therefore it's just going to be big because it's, you know, quote unquote, China's cloud. Yeah. And quick, quick shout out. If we have any listeners out there that, that, you know, are in that, that uh, region geographically and would like to talk about it, let us know. Mm-hmm. Show at the cloudcast.net. Yeah. We've always... <laughs> We've always struggled a little bit with the with the APAC region uh, outside of of like Australia, New Zealand. I, I assume most of that's just for language reasons, but you know, because obviously we, you don't have to listen to us live. <laughs> you can listen to us anytime. But yeah, if anybody has that that expertise, we'd love to just start scratching the surface on it. We'd we'd love to dig into it. Yeah. Now I, I saw something the other day. Um, you know, again, there, there's at the time of we're recording this, there's there's you know some headlines here recently of of Google kind of going well. It, you know, if we don't if we don't start becoming bigger, we, we you know we might cancel the business. And then somebody on Twitter the other day posted a you know a joke thing of it was like the Google Cloud logo and then with the beta tag underneath it because that means it could go away at any any time. I was like, ooh, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've 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 talked extensively about Google Cloud. We'll see, we'll see if the uh, uh, you know the new CEO Kurian uh, you know is able to write the ship and it does it become the new the new Oracle or does it become some blended Oracle you know Google type of thing? That'll be very very interesting. Um, the rest of the stuff we had in trends maybe aren't necessarily trends. They're just um, you know kind of interesting things from from the larger players in the industry. Um, I'll kind of run through a couple of them. Uh, you know, obviously IBM closed their thirty four billion dollar acquisition of Red Hat. Um, 
it's still alive. <laughs> we talked about it. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't comment on it too much, but uh, yeah, things things are still going along. Um, and stay and then, employed, Brian. That's stay right. Employed. That's right. Um, and uh, <laughs> VMware went on a a sort of a buying binge this year. They probably win the award for you know uh, M and A people doing uh, the most spreadsheets and PowerPoint slides. They acquired eight different companies. Um, you know, of the ones that probably relate to you know what our audience mostly cares about. Uh, they acquired Bitnami, which is in the sort of application packaging or, you know, container packaging, Helm chart packaging. They acquired Pivotal. Um, they sort of brought them back into the family. Um, they were originally VMware. They spun out to Pivotal back into VMware. And then they acquired a company called Avi Networks, which is, uh, you know, around the layer four through seven um, software defined networking, proxying security space. So, you know, trying to build out kind of sort of rebuilding. Um, it'll be interesting to see in 2020, uh, you know, VMware is essentially trying to get in the Kubernetes space. They're trying to sort of, you know, build a platform um, sort of from scratch, but also from pieces and parts. And it'll be interesting to see how they, if, if they're able to sort of put those together, it's going to be a, a pretty big engineering task to to do all those things and re-architect vSphere to support Kubernetes. Yeah, absolutely. And I would add Carbon Black into that as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really interesting to me. We talked a little bit about it on the previous show, but but to to it's interesting to me what VMware is doing, because VMware is, in my mind, pulling a Microsoft like transition um, of, you know, really trying to stay relevant in this space. And I, I feel like we, you know, you can go back and find podcasts from us from a couple of years ago where we were probably pretty down on VMware. Um, and, and I think I, I feel like that tide is starting to turn and, and Pat, Pat's doing a really good job at the, at the helm. Yeah. He, uh, you know, some, some people are going to look back on in a couple of years, you know, there was the, the original, you know, obviously there was sort of the, the animosity between VMware and AWS about, you know, hey, if 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 an application goes to AWS, it'll be lost forever. And then, you know, there was the sort of awkward uh, Andy Jassy and Pat Gelsinger, you know, on stage. Hey, we're announcing VMware in the AWS cloud. And, and there was a lot of talk at the time of, man, as, as soon as that starts happening, you know, that's just like a, a vacuum for AWS to take VMware workloads. And, you know, I, I'm sure at the time that had to be kind of a gut-wrenching decision for for Pat Gelsinger because it was like, am I giving up my business? Am I Am I embracing something that in the past I didn't embrace. And it's been very interesting to watch that every, almost every other cloud, I think now has a, a hosted VMware service. So, you know, it's either the, the cloud providers all trying to follow Amazon or, or VMware now just being really comfortable with this idea of like, Hey, if, you know, you can run a VMware VM, you should run it everywhere. And we're, we're going to give up on, you know, being hesitant about, you know, where it runs. And, uh, you know, like, it's an interesting conundrum that, that they got through. And it'll it'll be interesting to see. I know the VMware on AWS is doing, you know, reasonably well enough to where they, they actually break out the numbers, you know, in the, in the thing. So that tells you it's doing reasonably well. It'll be interesting to see if they break out the numbers in other clouds as well, because those aren't, those are ones that aren't necessarily run by VMware. They're sort of either like jointly run or they're run by a third party under the same brand. It's, it's just a little different because AWS has an exclusive on that thing. But uh, that, that, that to me is going to be one of those, you know, it's going to define his legacy as a, as a CEO at VMware, whether that decision pans out or, you know, you know, proves to be really successful or proves to be, hey, you know, the, the, the trend of public cloud just, just overwhelmed uh, the trend of, of data centers. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. The last stuff we had uh, on the trends were just kind of general trends, right? I mean, one of the things that happens in our industry is, is everybody gets 
kind of in awe and, and overwhelmed with the, you know, the web scale companies and really big numbers. I think partially because most people don't deal with really big numbers in their life. They, they relate everything to their own salary or how much their car cost or how much their house cost. Uh, you know, we talked about this at one point, I think maybe at the mid-year show, you know, there was a lot of announcements this year about, hey, X web scale company, you know, did a X hundred million dollar uh, you know, deal with the public cloud and, you know, therefore, you know, all of you should do hundred million dollar deals. Like it was like a thing for like a week or two. And then it just kind of faded away. It was, it was kind of a weird little blip in, in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was, I, I actually saw that and I was like, Oh wow, that's super interesting. And especially the kind of numbers that were thrown around. Um, but then there's also too, I would say another, uh, a trend, uh, you know, but again, probably another blip is, and I forget the, some of the companies off the top of my head, but there was this concept of, Hey, all these companies are spending, you know, sometimes hundreds of billions of dollars. Well, oh, by the way, there's also these rate repatriation of data things going on too, because they're spending tens or hundred millions of dollars in, in in cloud operations. And so, I don't think this trend has officially settled down yet. Yeah, I, I don't I, think I, we've hit the middle. You know, the pendulum slung, swung one way, and it's it's going to swing back, and it hasn't found middle ground yet. Yeah, well, plus plus, I think again, you know, people get overwhelmed by big numbers. I mean, you know, those companies also tend to do, you know, either either they are taking in hundreds of millions of dollars in VC funding, or they are taking in you know billions of dollars in revenue, and it's like, what percentage of that spend on essentially IT and technology, you know, is it? Is it in line with what they should be doing for their industry or their company, or is it like way out of whack? And I think when people looked at the numbers, they were like, "Oh, that's you know, that's aligned with what you would expect from either a hundred percent digital company or a you know company that you know spends eight percent on IT or whatever it is." Agreed. All right. Um, so we had a couple of topics um, that we we're going to get to, um, just for the sake of time, since we've been cranking through all this stuff. We're going to leave the topics in the show notes, but I think what we'll do is we'll just sort of, you know, we, we covered a lot of them throughout the year. Um, you know, there, there's some good questions. There were some good topics. And I think what we'll do is just for the sake of time, maybe we'll jump ahead to, to predictions for 2020. You want to? Uh, yeah, kind of absolutely. Let's do yeah. it. You, you want to go, go first? Um, yeah, I'll go first. Sure. Or maybe okay. we'll just kind of go back and forth. We'll take one. That at works. Time. I think we've each got three or four predictions. Um, first one I've got is, you know, we, we always talk about the major cloud providers. Uh, you know, we tend to talk about AWS and Azure and, and Google. Probably should throw things like Salesforce in there, you know, as being really a, a major hub. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of predicting, and this isn't like a, a big stretch, but I think we're going to see in 2020, we're going to be talking about GitHub as you know, kind of in that same vein. Um, you know, I don't know that we'll necessarily see the revenues that we have, but I think the importance of what what GitHub delivers, um, both as a just sort of like a common service to the internet. You know, it's it's sort of like become like DNS if you're a developer. It's just a thing you interact with. But you know, they're very they're very uh, quickly rolling out a whole bunch of services around developer stuff, and it's interesting to watch where they're trying to take friction out of the developer ecosystem where they're trying to take friction, you know, out of a developer's day-to-day life. And so, um, you know, I, I think we're going to really talk about, you know, maybe a, a big seven or eight or nine sort of clouds, if you will, and GitHub's going to be right up in there in the top, you know, four, five, six, as something that, um, you know, as you're thinking about what you do, you have to be talking about, you know, just as much as maybe you're talking about AWS or Azure or anything like that. Yeah, Absolutely. I'll go ahead with mine, and and I don't expect Brian to comment on this one at all. Um, <laughs> so I feel like Kubernetes will will kind of hit a, the, the the standard trough of disillusionment 
this year. Um, I, if you really step back and not comparing tech to tech, but you compare the cycle in the industry of Kubernetes versus OpenStack, you had this this idea of OpenStack was was the new thing. It was going to be great, and you know, there's we did many many shows, uh, even from OpenStack conferences uh, back in the day, and and. Then what you eventually happened was, oh, wow, this thing, you know, might be hard to operate or this thing might have these kinds of rough edges or, oh, by the way, the corporate sponsorship is doing this or doing that. And we're we're hitting peak Kubernetes, if you will. And once you hit peak Kubernetes, you have to naturally go through that kind of trough of disillusionment of, okay. I, this is where, you know, some of the rough edges are. This is where we're struggling. This is what's going on. And oh, by the way, that doesn't mean it's going to go away. It will be fine. Yeah. Um, it will come out the other side. Actually, I predict the, the, the further prediction to that is I think it will come out the other side actually much better and in a much healthier status than OpenStack did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I would agree. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you, you know, just a, a little, you know, something on that. Um, you know, we're we're at... You know, I think the CNCF said there's like a hundred different sort of like distributions of open uh, of Kubernetes. Um, <laughs> that's just silly. I mean, yes. Uh, you know, and you saw the sponsor. If anybody saw like the the on on, on social media, the list of sponsors yeah. from the last KubeCon, like. Oh my gosh, it was insane. Yeah, it's you know I think the one thing you'll I think the two things you'll start to see is um, again whether it's trophidil disillusionment or hype or whatever it is I, I think you'll see a, a certain culling of those those hundred I mean it's just economically not viable in our industry we've never seen a hundred of anything um, the other thing I think you're going to see is you're going to see people talking about oh Kubernetes is boring and quite honestly. If it's doing its job, it's supposed to be boring. It should be getting out of the way. Um, you know, it's going to go from hey, it's the buzzy thing to hey, it's boring. And the the things that are around Kubernetes, you know, whether it's service mesh or or serverless or whatever it is, like those are going to become the things that people will talk about at KubeCon and CNCF and and all those other things. So yeah, I think uh, whether it's you consider it delusion, you know, delusionment or boring or whatever, they're yeah, they're going to fall in that that we're in the hype cycle. And it's you know, at the end of the day, it, it's. By design, I mean it's plumbing, right? Yeah. It's plumbing. Well, it's plumbing. It's, it's, it's plumbing to enable cloud native architectures. It is, it is. It is plumbing, but it's not. Here's where it's weird. It's not. It's not completely plumbing, right? If it was just plumbing, you wouldn't have this stuff that's like. And hey, here's how developers interact with it. And I think yes. that's where it's a little weird. It's it. It kind of is its own line, which kind yep. of makes it confusing for people. So such a great point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the, the second one I've got on my predictions. Um, I think we're going to start seeing more and more. Um, kind of vertical AI and ML uh, offerings out there. So, you know, we, we've, we've gone through a series of a period of time where it's like, hey, um, here's all this technology. You can put it together yourself if you're a data scientist, you know, get your own data, build your own models, so on and so forth. I, I think because we're seeing, um, you know, we've seen successes in, in various areas uh, by using, you know, better data analysis, better, uh, you know, automated type of, of uh, decision-making, I think we're going to see more and more companies um, and data sets get built for specific verticals, right? And you're going to be able to to subscribe to those as a service. You're going to be able to to engage that. It's going to be less about, hey, we're in this industry. So the first thing we have to do is learn how to build out this environment or even just subscribe to a generic service. I think we're going to see more and more vertical specifics. And, you know, and, and, and the businesses are going to be demanding that because they realize, um, you know, that's that's kind of what they need. So I think we'll see more 
you know, things kickstarting vertical specific things. And that may end up being, you know, a number of guests we have on the show. Like, hey, we're, today we're going to talk about healthcare AI and ML. Or today we're going to talk about, right. you know, autonomous driving AI and ML. Yep. And, and I would actually say, too, you know, past guest and, and friend of the show, uh, Dave Cahill and his company, uh, Bonsai. Um, Bonsai was acquired by Microsoft, but I, yep. I, they were probably... A go down in history as a too early in the market example of exactly that. At the end of the day, they were, you know, it was really designed to be AI and ML for um, uh, industry um, and and very specific verticals, and was designed to be more of a mainstream. Here's how you use it kind of tool. And I just think that they were, you know, they they just didn't hit the hit the market at quite the right time. Um, which is, on, you know, I think they did really well. They had a good exit and they're still doing well within Microsoft. But I think that they were, they were just a, you know, an early example or pioneer of, of that trend that will happen without a doubt. Yep. Yep. What's, what else? Um, so I, my next one is, is, is I'm going to say serverless will, um, will get a new name and will hit its stride. And, you know, maybe it's going to be, Functions as a service will be the the ultimate name. Maybe we're just going to, you know, it's going to be the next Kleenex and we're just going to call it Lambda. Like, I don't know exactly where we're going to go with this, but I feel like hopefully this year will be the everyone will get over the name. Um, and the the value that it provides, I'm still super bullish on it. And I, I just think it's inevitable that the value that the serverless infrastructures provide um, will just be top of, not uh, not top of mind, will be an emerging trend uh, much more so uh, in the market in 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's somewhere in there, the, you know, the, the fact that people still like to tell you their servers means that you know, again, some of the, the marketing around is, is sort of dumb and misunderstood. Uh, it is sort of interesting that a lot of the people that we followed as the early people have just sort of said, you know what, I, I'm tired of explaining this stuff to you. You know what, I'm, I'm learning it. It makes sense to me. It's it's helping my business. And you know what, if you can't figure it out, tough. And, and yeah. you know, <laughs> I, again, sometimes you just go like, I'm, I'm keeping the good stuff to myself. And I don't, you know, I don't blame those folks who were the early adopters of it um, doing that. I, you know, I, I did hear that, you know, at things like reInvent, that Lambda is still a, you know, something that is, you know, getting wildly, uh, you know, popular in terms of people going to sessions. Um, you know, we've seen the the CNCF and the Knative projects and the surrounding projects, you know, evolve quite a bit. So, you know, there's definitely interest in it. Um, you know, I think the the bifurcation of serverless versus function as a service and which name is right and all that stuff does confuse people for some reason. Um, you know, rightfully so. But uh, yeah, I think there is a uh, there's definitely a need for for somebody or something to to sort of. Uh, get it on the straight and narrow so that you're like, oh, that's the thing. And it does this valuable thing. And that's why I should want to do the thing, whatever that yeah. thing ends up being. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you bring up a great point there too, of like, if I had to say two, two trends, I think will really get a lot of traction between AI and ML and, and serverless in, in 2020. I, I think if you're out there and you're trying to figure out which one to go do, you know, AI ML is more sexy but it also probably has a still has a higher barrier to entry. Um, serverless and functions as a service um, probably has has both a lower lower barrier to entry and is probably more um, usable um, in the vast majority of customers. And so, from a you know which one is going to be the more practical emerging trend? Um, you know, again, maybe less sexy, but I think is more practical from a knowledge base standpoint. 
Yeah, no, I would agree that the, the cost of entry is very, very low. The the friction is very, very low. Um, maybe we should just start calling eventful computing and we'll just, tra- we'll just, you know, uh, trademark that name here on the Cloudcast. <laughs> eventful computing you will be, you know, the big thing for 2020. Uh, yeah, I mean, AI and ML is, is super data heavy and you've got to build big models and it takes a lot of computing to get that first needle in the haystack. So um, yeah, d- you know, eventful computing, definitely much easier than uh, to get started than, than AI and ML. So uh, next one I have on my list is, let's see, last one I have on my list. Um, I think the other thing that we're going to see is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of these really big monolithic systems that, you know, have, have driven industries for a long time. So, you know, people talk about core banking systems and like ERP systems and so forth. I think we're going to see, and I, I'm starting to see some, some early startups that are doing this, um, that we're going to see companies that essentially offer APIs that, that replicate really important parts of those core systems. And we're going to start to see those big monolithic type uh, of systems get broken up into APIs and now offered as services. And I think we're going to see, you know, the financial services industry or, you know, uh, the manufacturing industries or, or healthcare or whatever that rely on things like Epic and whatever, who are going to go, you know, what, what do I want to be core to my business, right? Like what drives customers to us and, and what can we essentially outsource to, you know, APIs um, and not have to, you know, have to rethink, you know, think like, oh, I'm going to rewrite the core banking system to be successful. And I, I'm going to be really interested to sort of see how that starts to happen is, is sort of this distributed nature of, you know, kind of really core things that people never thought could be broken up, maybe start getting delivered as, as APIs. And uh, I'll throw out one name, there's a company called Galileo, who, uh, you know, is, is doing this in the financial services industry, we may be able to get them on the show, but, you know, they're, they're trying to kind of break up what would be core banking into a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of subscribable APIs and, and probably opens up you know, new applications that you never could do because you are reliant on the core system that was gigantic monolithic and old yeah absolutely and and i would expect a certain amount of uh, skinned knees and uh, you know yeah. some missteps along the way uh, on that but i think it's an, an inevitable journey and and i'm really happy to see that happening so i think it'll be a good trend yeah. um you've got, you've got i have the last uh, one i've got last one so the last one is more of just a, a company prediction um and this is more just kind of you know in going to shows this year and talking to folks on show floors and watching, you know, buzz around booths and, and, you know, talking about a, you know, which, which, which companies are you using or whose products are you using? And so there's two that I think will have breakout years. And I think in 2020, both GitLab and HashiCorp, I, I'm going to say will have just amazing years. I, I, when I talk to folks, those tend to be almost like the foundational tools that it's like, okay, which, which clouds are you using? It's like, oh, well, I'm using some of these big ones. It's like, okay, which tools are you using? Well, it's typically these names are coming up. The, the same way you kind of predicted GitHub as as one of the major you know platforms. I'm saying GitLab and HashiCorp as well is is really just they really seem very foundational, provide a lot of value, and and have great products that 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 the folks that I talk to just really love using them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that those are my kind of predictions for big companies. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. GitLab has their big conference uh, starting in January, so that'll be something we'll we'll keep an eye on. Um, yeah, I agree. Those are names that that people talk about all the time. Is you know kind of you know lo- love the company, love the technology. Uh, one other thing I'll throw out to folks to kind of be be looking out for in January um, after a, a seven year hiatus, uh, Mr. Gene Kim is going to be coming on to talk to us. Uh, Gene has a new book out called. The Unicorn Project, which is sort of the follow-up to the Phoenix Project, uh, I've been listening to it for for a while now. It's it is very very interesting to watch, um, partially how 
how Gene throws the Phoenix Project under the bus with the Unicorn Project. Um, and then, well, I mean, it's, it's, it is really, it's a continuation of where that, you know, Parts Unlimited left off. And then uh, it's interesting to watch, you know, how the new types of, of themes and, and uh, you know, cultural references and all sorts of things are now woven into this new thing. So we're going to have a chance to talk to Gene in, uh, in mid-January. So for those of you that are, that are reading the book, um, you know, it'll be a good chance to kind of get some insight into it. It's been Has seven it years. Has it really been seven years? Yeah. Holy yeah, yeah, crap. Yeah. So. I would have thought it was like four. I know. I still have the I still have uh the signed copy of the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been a, a longtime friend of the show. So last thing, um hey. and for anybody who who doesn't know the show, um the, the one thing that People may think, oh, you guys, you guys have a lot in common. You have a, a lot of sort of, you know, repertoire. You just sort of talk about things. There's one thing that, that Aaron and I uh, have no, n- nothing in common about. Um, I know nothing about science fiction. He knows everything about science fiction. Aaron, what is, what is your take on, on both sort of the, the Mandalorian and the latest Star Wars movie? Like, is it yeah. good? Is it bad? Do we need seven well, hours on this? I mean, so, so, so I'll give you the, the Cliff Notes version. And it was actually was one of my predictions that I put as my last prediction. But I have to explain the Mandalorian first. Um, so Mandalorian, um, if if you don't know what it is, and you're listening to this podcast, you probably live under a rock. You know, let's right. be honest. I'm the only non-science um, fiction person in the whole <laughs> podcast community, so don't feel so, bad. So simple take: Mandalorian, amazing show. Even even my wife Kim, who as a general rule isn't a science fiction person, I mean, completely addicted. It's a fantastic show. We keep waiting. There's one more show to drop at the time we're recording. This um you know fantastic show love the show um the the last star wars movie uh, is coming out uh when we record this it's actually coming out today i think uh today or maybe it was midnight showings last night or but anyway i haven't seen that yet initial reviews from friends is it's okay yeah. um it kind of closes it up and it has lots of nostalgia in it i don't think it necessarily sets any new ground but when you're closing out a 30 40 year trilogy and then the ninth film you, you you don't expect anything new yeah. um so i don't you know i i i i'm of course going to go see it because i got to check that box um on you know something that was an open loop since i was the, a kid <laughs> so i absolutely have to go do that but but uh, i don't expect to be overwhelmed yeah, um, yeah by yeah. it yeah. The, the thing so my, that, go ahead. Yeah. The, the thing that's gonna be interesting to me, and I, I've seen, I saw the first three Star Wars. I've seen the last couple because I'll take the kids and, um, but I, you know, I sort of watch them and they are what they are. And uh, the thing that's gonna be really interesting to me, and it's interesting that you and, and lots of people sort of love the Mandalorian. And I think they love, I don't know if they love the content of it or they love the fact that, you know, it's like, like Star Wars every week. And, and it's gonna be really interesting to, to, to see how, you know, the new viewing habits of people has, have evolved from, you know, like we've got been watching, we've got series, we've got, you know, all these things. And, and Star Wars has always been this like, hey, when's the next one coming out? Is it going to be a year from now? Is it two years from now? There's all this speculation. It builds up all this hype. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. And then they're going to contrast that with the stuff they're doing in these like weekly series and things on Disney Plus. Like, do people want just Star Wars in their life all the time? Are they cool with this idea that it's like every two years and, you know, they're going to 
they're going to, you know, uh, burn the producer at the stake or the director at the stake. Like it's, it is a weird, it's for, for somebody yeah. who's not totally into it. It is, it's weird to watch the community sort of like fall in love with this new thing, but it's, but is it, is it the new thing or is it the format and the style or is it, you know, the, the old style is just so hard to live up to other expectations that maybe that, you know, goes away. And I, I'm super curious because it's not like Star Wars as a franchise is going away. They make way too much money on it. You know, it's going to turn into something else. But does it turn into really big movies? Does it turn into something else? That, that to me is really interesting. Yeah. And and I will say this, too. And, and talking, so I've got two teenage girls and talking to them actually the other night about exactly this. My, you know, one of them wants to see the movie. The other one hasn't seen the other movies and doesn't care. But they brought up something that was super interesting. Uh, my oldest, the the one that doesn't necessarily care, she said her comment was, she said, Star Wars was for your generation. She said, Marvel is for my generation. And so for her, she's seen every Marvel movie at least twice. Yeah. And, and so for her, like when she kind of grows up and has kids and she's going to look back on the Marvel movies, the way I look back on the star Wars movies. Um, and, but, but I think the Mandalorian is a way to kind of almost potentially reboot that and capture a new generation. Because I, I don't think the star Wars movies, they, they, they caught some of the generation, but it wasn't independent. It was like all the parents dragging their kids to the star Wars movies. Um, you know, the, all the Marvel movies, I mean, you know, my, my daughter, uh, both my daughters went opening night to every single one of them for however many years now. Um, well, cool. So I'm going to close that out with you. So here's my prediction for 2020, you know, uh, a Mandalorian style prediction is, is we will actually learn baby Yoda's real name. Oh, um, which is, he's actually, it's funny because he's not even necessarily baby Yoda. It's, it's in the series. He's just referred to as the child, but you know, all over social media, you, you know, it's a baby Yoda. And so that's what everyone's what's calling baby Yoda. And so he doesn't have a name and he's not called baby Yoda. That's what the internet is calling him. Yeah. He's just, well, he's Benjamin Buttons, Yoda. He's just, you know, he's, he's, he's young, to, young to old, old to young. Well, that's going to, that's going to wrap up the Star Wars cast for, uh, for 2019. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, go. Aaron, you know, you've been asking me for years to, to indulge you in, in science fiction. I gave you 10 minutes that we, we covered there you it. Go. Yep. Um, I'm good. I'm good for another decade. Yeah. Folks, you know, as, as always, as we wrap up the year, thank you to everybody who, who listens, who tells a friend, uh, we, we can't thank you enough. It's, it's a fun journey we go through. We hope. Uh, what we do is is you know interesting to you in some ways that you're learning in some ways you know you may not love every episode but we appreciate you tuning in every week and telling a friend Aaron any last thoughts uh, either for the year or the decade or just you know kind of for the audience in general yeah no uh, just echo that but then also add to uh, you know I, uh, I I really like kind of some of the traditions we've developed over time a little bit of this of like hey the the, the star wars thing has become an, you know an issue over the years the chris cream run has become it you know something that we're repeating over the years and so what i what i really like more than anything is you know when we go to the events and 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 you know you have folks that do kind of reach out or or you know they're like oh oh you're aaron <laughs> like yeah. i kind of know your voice or like i've heard of the cloudcast but uh, you know i have no idea who you are and so it's just been super fun to go on this journey and, 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 you know, certainly learned a lot, um, from the community and, and happy to give back in yeah. some way. Yeah. Yeah. So next year is our, uh, 10th year of doing it. So, uh, we're getting old, but, uh, we're still enjoying it. And, and thank you to all who, who keep 
coming back to us every week and, and telling new people because the show keeps growing and uh, we're having fun. So looking forward to 2020. Um, as, as we said before, everybody have a great holiday. Hopefully you get to spend some time with, with friends and family, get some downtime, and uh, we will look forward to new shows in 2020. So with that, we'll wrap it up and we will talk to you next week, next year, and next decade. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 